Hello and welcome to this month's tarot offering, October 2021. Uh, I'm sitting here with my cat Baxter because he just had a snip and he doesn't leave my side now. <laughs> um, so this one is on myths of our collective dreams and uh, the schema we'll be going over this month is enmeshment and undeveloped self. hitting on topics uh, like blood, love, purgatory and free will. So yeah, before I get started, uh, the cover art for this month's podcast um, is from the incredible uh, Tonio Camunas, which I hope I said right, but I'm really sorry if I didn't, but he's amazing and you should check out his stuff. Um, yeah, it, it looked pretty intense, so I was like, this, this looks cool for me, <laughs> so thank you again, um, Tonya, and yeah, so I'm just going to dive right in, so part one, I guess, is the psychology of love, and we'll start with the myth by Tristan and Isolt. Remnants of the seeds, the idea of love coming into our collective consciousness, date back to the 12th century, to the myth of Tristan and Isolt. Tristan was born from a bloodied scene, his life punctuated in death and heartbreak, from an attachment exceeded rational limits. His mother Blanche Fleur became a widow whilst pregnant with Tristan and died of grief the day she gave birth to him. Blanche Fleur represents the death of the feminine in Western history, something that has affected the way we love each other and our values profoundly. For a few months now I have been looking into the effect of the idea of romantic love as a profound western expression and burrowed deeper to find its marks on our collective psychological and behavioral history romantic love is a whole psychological package with beliefs rules and expectations it has seemingly overwhelmed our collective psyche and permanently altered our view of the world. For true love is a force unlike any other, if handled incorrectly, can twist into stories coloured, marred by tragedy and alienation. So romantic love and the idea of it is enmeshed within our psyches and therefore plays a huge part in our behaviours, in relationships with others and ourselves. Carl Jung has said that if we handle romantic love correctly, it can elevate us to a level of wholeness. By the way, whatever correctly means. <laughs> it can elevate us to a level of wholeness that is necessary to evolve collectively. But all work must be done individually. I believe he was talking about bringing the feminine attributes back into our consciousness. 
Women throughout history have given us the bones and the intuition to create myths of meaning that we live or die by, even today. When Tristan meets Queen Isolde, which is a mad story I'll fully go into another time, probably the next uh, offering, which will be on failure. Um, but for now, when he meets Isolde, it is representative of him binding the feminine side within himself that has been discarded or had not been given to him by his mother. Regardless of what gender we identify with, the masculine and feminine sides of us seek love for different reasons. Above all, love is choice, which can be a bittersweet sentence to swallow. Long story short, Tristan dies, Isolde, arriving too late to save her love, takes her own life. She holds him one last time. A miracle follows their deaths. Two trees grow out of their graves and intertwine their branches so that nothing can part them by any means. Psychologically, our modern era began in the 12th century. The seeds of our modern mind planted in this time. A layer of consciousness, awareness, unfurling itself. For now, let's flirt with the idea of the psyche as androgynous, made up of both masculine and feminine components. Um, I guess the question, is love a performance of agreed upon languages? The tarot can be a visual language that reaches beyond the boundaries of culture and the Western's formulaic realm of rationality. A language that speaks into the body, through our eyes and stomach. A tool to communicate feelings versus intellectual expression. Enmeshment can feel like another person's personality wrapping tight around your body, like a snake cutting off a vital airflow to expression. The enmeshment pattern can turn potential connection into dread, flesh into a perilous vessel to which you withhold the emotional capacity of your true inner nature at bay, and love into constricting relationships, applied as a second skin, to repress fear of romantic and emotional isolation. Not knowing where you end and the other person begins can feel like extreme closeness, but for some people it can feel like suffocation. History is littered with the books, buildings, and innumerable relics of people who lived myths and meanings within themselves that they could never really have. So what does our art, our suffering, what have we left behind thus far? What does it reveal of us? A few more things about enmeshment, so our definition of it is solid. 
Your emotional state and sense of well-being is very dependent on how someone else feels. And this is a dangerous place to be. You will have no sense of control over your own emotions. Because you don't pay attention to your own needs, your life can end up feeling very empty and unfulfilled. Every generation collectively selects the myths they wish to live the meanings they choose to base their values for life upon. Approximately 280 million people worldwide have depression. The therapist in The Sopranos said that depression is rage turned inward. I like to think that myth is a plea for inner awareness. And I promised to talk about blood. Um, so if you follow me on Instagram or uh, you uh, subscribe to my Substack uh, newsletter thing, you will see all the pictures uh, that I'm going to be talking about now. So one of them here is uh, 14th or I'm going to say 14th century because uh, I don't have the book to hand right now. <laughs> 14th century uh, man diagram and it's got like all the alchemical symbols and meanings um, from a Hebrew textbook about the human body Uh, and I move on to the subject of blood because when thinking about this schema wandering about somewhere in your life who feels closer to you than your own skin which is at the core of this schema. For better or worse, it got me asking, what's closer to our insides than the skin that shrouds our bodies? I thought blood for now. Um, So, in the picture, there is red blood dripping from the guy's penis. And the red color of the blood dripping from the man's penis in the diagram reminded me of drinking red wine at church. Uh, Obviously a symbolic act of Christ's blood. But semen was also seen as a refined manifestation of blood, of giving and receiving life. That could be why men prefer, some men prefer their semen to be swallowed during sex. I massively speculate, but thought I could draw that conclusion anyway. (laughs) And also interlocked into this line of inquiry, uh, this realm of curiosity, are the attributes of understanding, compassion and awareness to have mercy for the souls of others. Um, The scorpion is interpreted astrologically, uh, if if interpreted astrologically, mythically, and from the perspective of our base desires, is a sign of our bodily and sensual passions fulfilled. The scales above belong to Libra, the chance to balance our body's demands, the awareness of love as a spiritual and intellectual communication also. So I guess the myth of Libra and Scorpio represent here that balance within others and ourselves, the union of the physical and cerebral love. And as we're in Libra season, I heard a story about Libras being excellent projectors and that symbol in your chart can look for happiness, fulfillment from others and can drive us towards situations which involve pain isolation, rejection, and disappointment. 
Once this pattern wears thin, if ever, it can erect a bridge to paths leading to search within. The most basic interpretation of Saturn in Libra is sorrow. Libra has the tendency to project this pain and puts the responsibility onto others. Our inner wars can be reflected in the relationships we take on, reflecting our own inaccessibility onto others, being a vessel for others to project themselves on takes us to the inner hell of loneliness and can be like finding the chemical solution to a spiritual problem or living in a grave and another line from the Sopranos I'm tussling with this month Faith knocked on the door of fear there was no one there and these are just some extra bits that I had a few notes and questions on this. Uh, the mythic as perspective, not prescription. So as the ego would have us digest them most of the time. Uh, yeah, using it not to heal yourself or get a specific meaning, but just kind of take the whole thing as it is and see how it settles in you. Um, and myths do not tell us how. They give us a background to imagine from to punctuate our lives with ideas. And metaphors transfer meanings. Symbols are metaphors and stories that contain multiple meanings. Psychology is not a body of knowledge, but more a perspective. Psychology is a night weaving in and out of literal and mythic lives. Psychology is not well structured. It is scattered and often indirect. Knight of Swords. And we're moving on to the second myth. Painting Persephone. Did Dante have a choice? There is evidence of the tarot being used in the courts from around the 14th century. For guidance in 18... For guidance. In 1887, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn and Occult Studies-based community, whose members included the infamous Alistair Crowley, was founded, and the fashion designer Kristen Jaw used to have his cards read before every runway show. So it seems in the 21st century, reading the cards is no longer considered a cult. I'll look into what we're using it for nowadays uh, as this project carries on. Um, and I was kind of wondering as well, is it even possible to be autonomous anymore and what does that really mean? But yeah, the tarot can be used as a reflective tool, sharpening our eyes and ears to our relationship with what secrets we choose to keep and what we end up trying to throw away, confronting us with our base desires and what they really are. Some things I couldn't let go of this month and will leave here for now, but promise to go back to. <laughs> I make a lot of promises in these readings, huh? Um, the effect of the feminine throughout history has never died. The High Priestess is testament to this statement. The effect and aesthetic of the feminine has always leaked out of the relics, clothing, and symbolism so deeply steeped in the religious worlds. You can try to extract the feminine influence, but it lingers on, grows through concrete like plants. 
Psychology is confession. When on a discovery mission, the biologist in the book Annihilation thought she was making a choice, but in the end revealed, confessed, that her pathology had led her to follow her husband to an area she knew she had already lost him in. She went knowing she would most likely die, or whatever would happen to her would be irrevocable. And no matter how far she went, her husband as she once knew him could never really return to her. Though her efforts were futile, she attempted to retrace his steps both in reality and in her mind. By reading a journal he had kept during this time on the mission in Area X. Love is an assault on our values, forcing us to reconsider and live with contradictions over and over. Its effect on our behaviour is wild. According to philosopher Ortega y Gasset, the lovers we choose reveal, confess, display our essential nature. The type of human being we prefer reveals the contours of our heart. Love is an impulse that springs from the depth of our deepest being. Is the mind creative or corrective? Descartes' theory of us being led by our consciousness has largely been disproved. Is it false to say that we are rational and free? The things that are important lie behind the things that are apparent. Love is a trap door. The poet and pre-Raphaelite painter Dante Gabriel Rossetti painted eight versions of the mythological subject of Persephone, queen of the underworld in Roman and Greek mythology. His artwork, symbolic, created mysteries. It dug deep dark into the well symbolism offered up by tragedy bound into enduring literary themes. In other words, the symbols, the stories, the images we can never seem to let go of within ourselves and others. Did Dante paint her so much because the subject was a symbol of his own fate? I speculate. Jane Burden, who poses for Persephone in this painting, was married to William Morris, therefore tied into the romantic relationship already. Unreachable. In reality, Dante had no access to Jane, only insofar as he could steal the time it took to paint her. And if that was the only way he could be with her, I guess in part, some of him accepted his affections only being absorbed by the blank white canvas. Could he ever paint her into reality? The combination of the femme fatale and the virgin. A ceaseless theme. In her hand, she holds a choice. The pomegranate, to choose the descent or not. The ivy creeper in the background, a symbol of the memories that choke her. And her right hand holds the wrist of her left, a symbol of restraint. Like Eve, she gives in to her sexual desire. 
symbolising that ultimately women carry a choice of some sort. The hands in this painting above have been mounted on from a previous painting. And it kind of made me think, when did she get the choice to really make a choice? Did she just pick from what was in front of her? Do we get a choice in what our bodies and minds desire? Or are we dragged about, forever mourning ourselves, superimposing, embossing ourselves into new experiences and people? in the hope of making something that feels tangible from love. Feels like we could take it home. So a quick rundown of Persephone's story for context. Persephone was kidnapped by Pluto, king of the dead. After her mother, Ceres, pleaded with Jupiter to have permission to return her to the world of the living, they ended up sharing her. So six months she lived on Earth and the others six she lived in the underworld so the pomegranate and persephone herself is a seasonal symbol as well as a sexual one of course she took a bite a single seed from a pomegranate what she desired or craved that choice laid out a path for her and affected her entire life what does it mean to assess the value of our own pleasures would we get any closer to why we choose what we do? I think that's part of what I try to do in these monthly offerings. Perhaps Dante used hands he had painted from a previous painting. Because her hands, what she chose. Choosing Morris with her hands. fantasies to rewrite history even just in a painting to turn back time to keep Berlin perhaps stuck in a perpetual act of creation of, pe of painting uh, a woman before she has chosen a lover if psychology is confession Pathology is a striptease of the inner monologue. If we cannot make peace, we self-destruct. And this is what Annihilation, the film, is all about. This pressure. Annihilation is a story about love and fear. Letting love into your life, even when holding onto fear. The difficulty of holding onto one another when you both self-destruct. It asks whether connection is worth it, even though it inevitably and irrevocably mutates into something else. But I've heard someone say, just because the symphony ends, does that mean the song was not worth listening to? The scriptwriter and film director Alex Garland became obsessed with self-destruction. Everyone I know, and I would speculate everybody, is self-destructive. Some people offer this up to you. They demonstrate it. Others do not. He became enthralled by the meaninglessness of our self-destructive behaviours. People are dismantling their job, their friendship, their marriage. It's a film about 
destruction with a thesis of why we do what we do and the various forms it takes on. The book is more about eco-destruction and can feel like a dream. The film was adapted from Garland's memory of the book, so a dream response to a dream book. Then it becomes about the nature of memory. And isn't everything in life based upon a set of rules, a set of games we memorize and collectively play together? It's not just pride in the way of love, it's the wheel of fortune redacting you, denying you your everlasting peace, your fantasy realm to the tunnel of true and boundless love. And it's become kind of a habit to add a bit of poetry into these offerings, uh, because I guess I've been writing poetry my whole life, uh, and it is my first love (laughs) um so yeah with the cards i'm gonna write a little poem and recite for you guys here so obviously it's kind of just uh, a draft but here we go the high priestess wisdom at the deepest level the hidden desires the unsaid words the garden in your dreams The stories you live but can never have. The Empress. She picks the fruit. There are a lot of options these days and it seems if we pick the wrong thing, we are fogged off onto the ever-burgeoning for-profit substance recovery industry, a factory farm for self-help. A bundle of books with pink covers and gold lettering with five-minute recipes to life. The Emperor. Certain types of people are drawn to fire, moth to a flame, amour fou, what anchors us. Curiosity, curiosity could be a powerful distraction. I could not tell which part I craved and which I feared. Then the darkness took it. My natural instinct was always for concealment, in control, the gullet of a beast, as if to let go of the fear would be the same thing as succumbing to it. Fear knocked on the door of faith. There was no one there. Because we can't always have the things we want. And that statement can be interpreted in so many ways. How to separate your own grief from others. How to help someone reflect instead of projecting your vulnerabilities on those closest to you. The Hierophant. We need to repeat the familiar, even if it's bad for us. But what can we learn? Can we really change what we choose? The lovers. Expressing love is all about confession. When you blame your genes, you're really blaming yourself. He collects the sun in his mouth and I spindle in his nectar, or drink the snow from his tears that perform perforations, melting the deepest, darkest, in my fleshed-out ossuary. It's not too cold for love. Nothing rips through that heat. Flesh can cripple, but we have burned past the skin now. You are in my ribcage. I am in your mouth. It snowed whilst we sank into household gloss on canvas. And I wanted to kiss you in that staircase in the gallery forever. And the scene that we set ourselves in. You mentioned something about glittering sky. And I looked right at it as you released those words. I balanced myself on top of a log. This made me close to the same height as you. 
close enough and for less than a fake minute in time I think I might have seen exactly the same thing as you and I don't know why but I love just the thought of that The Chariot I wanted to push myself so far forward that I tasted at least the dirt to follow my downward spiral until it spun into its own kind of mysterious gold there is a certain flavour to eating the past whilst unfolding the unknown simultaneously performed theories in the tragic love story of Abelard and Heloise even though they are never together physically their passion burns on through the letters Gasset said, Lust is not an instinct, but a specifically human creation like literature. In both, the most important factor is imagination. Why don't psychiatrists study lust from this angle, as a literary genre, which has its origins, laws, evolution, and limits? And I'll end with a couple of stanzas from Ted Hughes, because I was reading this and thought it pretty much summed up shit about love so let's go love you i do not say i do or my either i come to you enforcedly love's spoiled appetite for some delicacy i am driven to your bed and full warmth from bottomlessly breaking night if dispropertied as i am by the constellation staring me to less than what cold rain and wind neglect. I do not hold you closer and harder than love. By a desperation, show me no home. So, that's this month's offering over. Um, yeah, I would be stoked to talk to people about this and more in greater depth.